What is going on, everybody? Welcome to The Game Informer Show, a weekly podcast covering the video game industry. Join us every Thursday for a discussion about the latest gaming news, reviews, and exclusive reveals alongside Game Informer staff and special guests from around the industry. I'm your host, Alex Van Aken, and today I'm joined by Blake Hester. How you doing, Blake? Hello. And Kyle Hilliard. How are you, Kyle? Good. Does anyone ever call you ABA? Yeah. I think Blake cool. does. No, VA. ABA. Oh, right. No, it's like VA. a much, I like the cadence of that. Ava. Ava. Like your favorite mech show. That's spelled different. Nope. It's Ava. Ava. That's how it sounds. It'd be yeah, it's spelled E-L-E-X, right? That's your name? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a video game, isn't it? Alex. Alex. Yeah. Uh, it's either that or movie. I think it might be a movie. Yeah, it's like Alex is like a fantasy game, I think. It sounds like it's a game made by Platinum Games for some reason to me. Oh. E-L-E-X. No, it what? What are y'all talking uh, about? Y'all call yourself Game Informers? <laughs> These whack-ass takes. Come they, on. They we made do. a game called Near autumn uh, tom automa that's that's near me know the name you know the name you know the name just say the name right oh i'm like in my head now it's near automata right okay right okay well this is a video game podcast thank you all out there for listening uh this week we're going to be talking about like a dragon ishin we're going to talk atomic heart resident evil village vr and maybe a couple other PSVR games, PSVR 2 games, rather. Uh, Let's get into it, guys. Um, I don't know why I sounded so excited there. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay. (laughs) Let's let's start off on the topic of the week. Uh, Blake, we are having you on to talk about Like a Dragon. Ishan, you reviewed it for Game Informer. You scored it pretty highly. Did I? Seemed to enjoy it. I don't know. You scored it positively. What was my score? I don't know. It was 8-5, right? 8-5, 8 something like that. Let me see. You wrote it. You scored it. Okay, you want to peek peek behind the curtain? That review score I slap on that thing, put barely any thought into it, ever. 8.25. That's good. 8.25. 8.25. There you go. I'm not a big fan of review scores, so whatever I'm scoring something, rest assured, reader, listener, I didn't think about it. Way to undercut your own work, Blake. (laughs) Go for it. Here's the thing. That number is not my work. The text of the review is my work. The number is simply one A small representation part of, it. of the text. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think, I think, honestly, assigning I know, I'm like, numerical I'm pushing us value, into a whole other discussion. I just don't want to see you belittle your work in any way. It's good work. You should be proud of it, even the smaller parts of it. I would, as I would argue, assigning numerical value to any work is actually belittling it inherently, which is why I put no thought into it. It's the least important part to me is the numerical value of any art. Right. Okay. What do you say about the game, Blake? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. It's like a solid eight point two five. I don't know. Uh, no, it's cool. I mean, like, this is a prequel, right? No, I mean, I guess it's a, like a prequel to the, the modern day Japan. <laughs> oh, I thought this was or not a no. prequel. I thought this was like an old game that got remade. <laughs> but for some reason, I thought that was a prequel for some reason because yeah. it's set in the past. All of the past is a prequel to the present, really. Exactly. So I'm I'm correct. No, you're not. Uh it's yeah, it's it's a remake of a 2014 game called Ryu Gagatoku Ishin, which never came outside of japan maybe it went to the koreas i don't think so i think this one was japan only um maybe for a variety of reasons one at this point in rgg's history they had just like really struggled outside of like very minor cult success in america um i think like yakuza 5 didn't even release physically in the states until they re-released it which is kind of a wild thing to think about and also this thing is like super rooted in japanese history like it adheres pretty close to you know like late 1800s japan you are playing as a real person the cast is made up of real people obviously dramatized and you know represented by yakuza mainstays um but like it kind of expects you to just have some knowledge of like meiji restoration era japan so i think for a variety of reasons it never came out anyway there's a ps4 launch game ps3 game with the new success here it is it's out it's been remade and it's cool. It's a good game. One of the, probably one of the 
better looking Yakuza games in recent memory. What do you want to know about it? What is the, um, like, what cities are you exploring and stuff? I know, like, Kamurocho and all that is, like, popular in the other games. Is there, like, is this, like, a... I assume you said it. it's not, like, a old take on that. It's, like, pretty historic. So what are the locations and stuff that you're... Are you coming up with these questions on the fly? <laughs> yep. Uh, it takes place in Kyoto. Kyo, as it was called back then. I've been there. It's where Mario's from. Um, it takes place there. Uh, several Mount di- Ishimari in this game. No. Um, it has several different kind of little pockets and neighborhoods of Kyo. I don't know if they're the same these days. Um, it also takes place in Tosa, which is like a um, kind of backwoods, backwater rural area. Very briefly starts there. But in terms of uh, Edo, which is Tokyo, it's commonly talked about, but not ever there. So you're in Kyo, which as far as I know, has not shown up in any other yakuza games i don't think you go to kyoto any uh, in any of them i could be wrong maybe five you do a whole new little little world it's really cool i really liked it I, as i do in a lot of these games i almost primarily walked around in first person mode just to like get a little little uh, virtual tourism in wait in is case. that is that always in the i'm trying to get into the habit of calling the like a dragon games is that always an option in like a dragon I don't think I think it was maybe introduced with six. I want to say six was the one that first did it. So like ah, one, two okay. also had it. I don't, I don't know. Listeners will probably correct me. I don't think zero or even like Kiwami one had them. So maybe not any of the early ones. But the Judgment games have it. Um, six like a dragon. This one they all have it. That's good. Yeah, awesome. I had no idea. That's cool. I didn't know you could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this game's cool. I mean, like. If you if you the first Yakuza game you played was like a dragon, you might be a little out of your element because it's that one was turn based, which is not actually the norm for the series going forward. It'll kind of be the norm, but typically they've been brawlers. This one is more of like an RPG hack and slash. Um, you know, your build is very important in terms of what numbers will fly out of enemies. But like other Yakuza games, you have four different uh, combat stances. One being like very deliberate sword only one being kind of like a free-flowing sword and gun the other being brawler hand-to-hand which ironically i didn't really like didn't think it felt very good the other being gun only um so that's one of the big things here is just like the yakuza game that primarily focuses around weapons and other yakuza games just have weapons but they weren't crucial or even emphasized this one is like you are playing as a master swordsman sakamoto ryoma i believe is his name real dude he lived are there, like, do the sword and gun have different, like, effects in terms of, like... Well, yeah, the the gun shoots bullets, the sword oh. is sharp, and you use it to slice people. <laughs> no, do do some enemies, like, are some weak to gun, some weak to sword, or oh. you can kind of just get through? Nothing really stood out to me other than, like, you know, there, there'll probably be weapons or uh, enemies you want to just fight from further back, you know? Like, okay. enemies yeah. with um, long poles, spears it's hard to get up and close and personal with them because they have a bigger reach. So you might want to use guns on them. But in terms of like enemies that were specifically weak to certain things, I don't recall any, I might just be an idiot. Uh, that's fair. Here's the thing about the game. That's really cool though. Is it like musket guns? I assume. So no, like, it's like, like, it's a game by RGV. It's, but you basically have a freaking Uzi in your pocket. Like, <laughs> okay, <there's>, that's <laughs> funny. There's no real ammo count at all. Like you can just spam. I've seen some players just, they spam on the shoot button and will like clear five dudes in a row. It's very good. But the big draw of the game, I think obviously with any of these games, like the gameplay is great. The walking around's fun. The mini games or whatever sub story. The, the story, the, the melodrama, these games are soap operas, you know? They're very dramatic tales of these big buff men being very sad and angry. And, like, this game is no different. Um, it's, it's dealing with a lot of things that obviously actually happened and people who actually lived. I am not certainly not the person to speak to the historical accuracy or portrayals of, you know, um, certain factions in Japan and how that's represented in 2023. Um, frankly, I don't think I maybe should have reviewed it based on that criteria, but I do think the story is very well told. Some of the better cutscenes in the series, which like the series is known for having some really great cinematics, but some of these, the way they like direct drama and action in them, there's some really stellar choreography. Like that was one of the big takeaways I had from this game is like, man, it's just really competently told in its story. And like, 
trims out a lot of the fat from other games. I You definitely stand around watching shot, reverse shot of talking heads a lot like in those games, but it feels like it's not as bad as other games. There's a lot more emphasis on like keeping the story active, keeping, you know, pumping more money into these cinematics that are entertaining to watch. Like I was very much gripped by the story, even if I sometimes found it hard to follow as someone not versed at all in Japanese history or Japanese politics, and certainly not the intersection of Japanese history and politics. It was awesome. The cast is great. I mean, all the mainstays are fantastic. Uh, there's also like the return of Riki Takeuchi and now I'm going to forget the names, but the three kind of uh, big bads in Yakuza Zero who are just like you know, very famous B-movie Yakuza actors um, seen and got plenty of like Takeshi Kitano and Takashi Miike movies. They show up in this and they're awesome. It's just like Yakuza dudes, but in like the samurai garb, but they're like playing it how they would in an old Yakuza movie. Like the cast is bringing some heat to this thing. And I was thinking about this the other day. Whenever we talk about like the great voice actors in video games, we always talk about like the same two dudes, like Troy Baker, who's like fine, I guess. He's pretty hammy. Nolan North, who I think is really good. We talk about the Last of Us cast. Why do we never talk about like the cast of Yakuza as like some of the best voice actors in video games currently and maybe historically? Yeah, I wonder. I I wonder if that's just because it's like dubbing. I mean, not not uh, dubbing is an art in itself. I'm not dismissing it in any way, but it is like a dubbed script. And maybe that like is why we don't talk about it. But we should. I agree with you. Like, I mean, I think Takia Kuroda. I don't know if I'm. All right, I'm sorry who's played Kiryu since the series Inception is like the best working voice actor in video games. I, I also just realized I misinterpreted what you were saying because this game does not have English dialogue, right? It's, no, no, Japanese no, 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 is no, no, no. Up. So you're talking about no. the Japanese voice actors, yes. right? Yes. I okay. think yeah, like, yeah. I think the Yakuza cast and just RGG's like Japanese cast in general is like leagues better than most voice actors working right now. And we, we seem to leave them out of conversations. They're the equivalent of like, american hollywood actors in japan right well some some some, some? they definitely okay. use a lot of known actors and facial scanning things but the actors behind like kiryu and majima those are like known voice actors that isn't right. the actual okay. like on-screen talent they're using now on the other hand like Riki takeuchi and some of the people from like yakuza zero that show up in this those are actors that are facial scanned in this um but i'm talking about like the mainstay cast i think we don't talk about enough is no, it's, I think and that's totally fair. In this game especially, like, they were bringing it. I was like, God, you know, this is, like, some of the best acting I've seen recently in video games. I, I love the weirdo idea of them taking a digital cast and, like, transposing them into, like, a sort of a different world. Yeah, like it's that, really cool. It's, it's I don't think I, – I can't think of any other examples of that in video games. Well, really, I can. You know? Yeah, well, okay. Ryu Gagatoku Kinzen, the – basically spiritual predecessor to this game that's still right. not come out here which is like takes place in a different era of feudal japan they did the same thing for that where it was like yeah. the main state cast but other than like those two none come to mind it, it would be like if the cast of metal Gear solid was like put, put into like colonial american war the civil war it'd be so cool yeah it would be amazing you know the point is the game's good i think if you're into rgg games like, play this. It's a cool spinoff. I, I really enjoyed my time with it. I I think, like, if you've never played an RGG game before, there are better entry points. Like, a Dragon's a really good entry point. Yakuza Zero's the best game RGG's ever made. I just recommend it solely on that alone. Um, Judgment games are also good entry points. I don't know that this one's going to be the best entry point. I don't think you'll really get why people love the normal Yakuza series, because this is kind of separated from that but if you're already entrenched in it play it it's rad had a good time. is there any value to it being a uh, sort of entry point it, with because it, it doesn't have any story baggage right even judgment has story baggage right because it takes place in like mm, judgment take place in the same series or same, same city rather sorry it does but like aside from like needing to know that there's a yakuza clan called the tojo clan you don't need to know anything okay. about rgg's other games to play judgment it's just which kind is of referential right yeah it exists within the same universe but like establishes a new story so, so still tells that story as if it's the first game in that universe um i think if you started with this one you just the only thing you would be missing is like 
why people love the specifics of the Yakuza series. You'll still be getting cool, like, brawling combat and, like, well-told stories, but you won't be really understanding the draw of, like, Kamurocho and the world that's established in the normal game. So I think it's better, like, enjoyed as an established fan of those games. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I only, I, I've kind of, my, uh, I've only sort of watched my wife play a little over uh, her mm-hmm. shoulder and, like, the one thing that got me that was so funny is, like, they contextualize why you would find items in jars, like, yeah. you know, spread around the city. There's, like, a character who goes around and does it. And I was like, I love that kind of stuff. Like, where they just contextualize what we just take for granted in video games. is like, yeah, that's just how video games work. But they take the time to try and explain in the narrative why these things are the way they are. And I really, I really like that <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah. This conversation makes me want to finish uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yeah, the game's great. You should. That was my entry point. And, like, the melodrama, I... A lot of story in games, like, don't really hit me that hard. There's, like, few that do. And I was kind of taken aback by just how effective the melodrama. I was like, this is, like, so over the top, but for some reason, it's it's hitting for me. Some of the early moments in Like a Dragon, I just love. So Yeah, to they're incredible writers at RGG working right now. Um, I think they make easily some of the best games currently coming out, like, without competition. They're kind of in a league of their own. This game's story, though, as much as I do like it, uh, maybe it has some weird leanings into nationalism and ends on a really bizarre note that is meta and fourth wall breaking in a pretty icky way. Uh, so maybe keep that in mind. There's some writing going around about that. If you want to seek that out, I'm obviously, as a white man in Minnesota, not the most equipped to speak on that, but I'll say the ending of this game, I was like, you were dancing a fine line and decided to jump off it right here at the end. It was pretty wild. Now, to counteract that, there's a great Slice of Life minigame where you have a little house where you live with Haruka. <laughs> and I was growing. I had my little dog there. I would go feed and pet, and I would go tend to my crops and cook dishes and redecorate. That was all good. And you know, I was like, you know what? There was some weird nationalist stuff in here, but also my new wallpaper in my house looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> so... I mean, Animal Crossing awesome. had the same problem, ultimately, when, when you got to the end of that game. So. Well, I mean, look, we all know what we should do with land boards. And Tom Nook, <laughs> let me see you dodge a bullet, Tom Nook. <laughs> yeah, but he's cute. That's all I have to say about RGG. I'll open the floor for questions. Not RGG. Like a Dragon Nation. How long is this game? It took mm. me like 30 hours. You could definitely play it for probably 60 or 70. I don't do much side stuff. And just because I'm reviewing it, I'm not going to play it in a way I don't normally do. So I feel like I didn't even touch, scratch the surface with the side stuff. So I'm sure there's like double the game in there if you wanted to like do everything. That's good to know. I'm, I always just mainline the main quest. Yeah. Kyle, any questions before we move on? No, Blake nailed it. I Thanks. should uh, check this one out. Yeah, it's good. Good game. Yeah, Game awesome. Informer saying it's an 8.25. That's what I hear. What's that on our review scale? The way we weight things, oh. it might be terrible for all I know. <laughs> I, it's good. I, I, I can tell it's you. It's good. Without pulling up the actual thing. Awesome. Well, let's get into Atomic Heart. Um, uh, the the debut from Munfish. It's been, we've been, I, I didn't think it was a real game for a long time. <laughs> Gosh, I, I remember something like 2017 mm-hmm. reaching out yeah. to them and being like, hey, can we please talk about this like trailer that you've released you know they never really talked to too many folks i think ign had a big first thing right but like other than that they just kind of been quietly you know poking away at this game for like five years or something like that well they were worried someone would hear their protagonist speak and leak (laughs) that they really made the worst protagonist in video game history I, I, you know, maybe it may be a feat, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> Look, there's a lot of bad protagonists. There were two things that shocked me when I booted this game up. One was, wow, this game really is as beautiful as those trailers made it yeah. appear. The second is, I can't believe they didn't scrap this story. Because holy yeah. crap. Dude. Yeah, Alex, I'm curious if you've played more. I know we have a review on the site. Like I the the world building was interesting, and sometimes that kind of goes hand in hand with the story. So maybe the story goes somewhere interesting. But to Blake's point, yeah, the protagonist just like, immediately awful. Just like yeah. I, this guy uh, is. Steam I says I have played for three hours. Okay, so you're actually not. T- I think I played for like an hour or two, and I, like like you said, Blake, like 
it looks great. Like the first yeah. the opening sequence is cool where you're like sort of like moving through this functioning city that's kind of like mainly run by robots and then like you get in a car that gets flown. So uh, that part is where my jaw at the floor when you're flying through the clouds. Yeah. So like the one thing I remember talking to Jacob about this and like we before the game came out we were both like there's too much bespoke nonsense in these trailers. And seeing how much bespoke nonsense is in the game, I was like, okay, so they didn't make vaporware. Like, this is a real, like, very competently made, confident game. Like, it opens yeah. like they knew they made something worth looking at, just not worth hearing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and by, if, we, if it wasn't, I don't know, I guess we kind of skipped over, but, like, super strong Bioshock vibes, especially Bioshock Infinite, maybe just because it's you're in the sky for a lot of the opening, but it just seems yeah. like similar. They clearly took inspiration from it in the sense that it's like, this is a very strange technologically advanced world that has a lot of history. I never got far enough to figure out if it had stupid politics like Bioshock Infinite, but like, yeah, it's I, definitely yeah. cribbing the look of it. It's, it is, it seems to be, and Alex, help me out here. I think you're like an hour further than me, but it seems to be like a story about, uh, a very sort of well-regarded scientist trying to merge everyone's consciousness into like one giant uh, shared yeah. cloud, which is a kind of a weird idea. And I don't know what the ramifications of that are over the course of a long-term story, which is like, okay, that's interesting. But then you're just playing as this profane dude who just gets <laughs> just pissed off at everything. <laughs> yeah. And you are playing like a, some like, military dude who's like security a, who's guard, like work who worked yeah, yeah security guard who works for that dot that scientist and uh, effectively there's a whistleblower that because the scientist is like trying to keep all of this a secret until it's finalized and unveiled to the world and there is a whistleblower who's like hey this stuff is like bad actually <laughs> and harmful and our like we goal shouldn't is all to... stick our brains into a shared computer i don't know just spitball yeah <laughs> and this whistleblower is like the world needs to know what russia is doing and um that kind of sets into motion the events there's like essentially like a this whistleblower is like hacking into robots and making them uh identify friendlies as enemies and it's like causing a lot of chaos and death and he's hoping that that will make enough noise that the rest of the world will find out elon musk stop elon musk is like one rick and morty episode away from trying to <laughs> himself like he seems like that <laughs> brand of idiot to be like oh. i mean i i think he's literally he i think one of not to get into a musk tangent christ but like i think he does have a, a company that is experimenting on uh monkey brains that isn't mm. making much progress he does yeah Neuralink. do you think elon musk listens to this podcast like there's a chance he might i mean if i he's feel getting, like there's he gets a chance at one point in time might, right? he has yeah. yeah i feel like he's listened to at least one episode of the gi show probably yeah, yeah. he's definitely probably when ben it. hansen hosted and like we got an exclusive on like I don't know like Call of Duty or something. Yeah, he's definitely watched like an NGT or something at one point. Yeah, in his life. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's kind of like the setup for the first couple hours of the game. You're trying to chase down this hacker uh, and prevent him from you know doing that. And perhaps the hacker you know starts to try to convince you that you're working for the wrong side and that kind of set that's where I'm at right now. You know, it's very early on, not really spoilers. It's like pretty predictable and I'm interested to see where the plot goes. However, like the writing of the game is awful. Um, just to put it plainly, like it's, it's real bad. I think for some reason I'm trying to figure out why their go-to catchphrase is crispy critters. <laughs> yeah, They have used that line. Like, Eight times now, like three hours in, crispy critters. Do you Am think I gonna it's going to turn into one of those crispy critters, Doc? Do you think it's like, maybe something lost in translation, like maybe in Russian, like it's a alliteration or something? Jeepers it means creepers, something a little different, like. Or maybe it is a common phrase there. Or yeah, something in yeah, yeah. It's really off-putting. Maybe it just translates weirdly. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe, I think that's what's going I, on. Well, you know what? I've actually heard the rest of the script around Crispy Critters. It's probably just something really stupid. 
Yeah, this there is a lot of moments visually that like my I I mean I'm not kidding like I was yeah. like is this the best looking game I've played? Uh and then and then it kind of comes crashing down when like some of the robot animations play back at like 5 frames a second. Meanwhile, everything else is like playing at like 60 fps. There's some weird like technical stuff going on. But yeah, th- there's also like an impressive amount of animation like beyond like you know, ob- there the issues you're talking about, but like even in like your hand and the little tendrils you use to collect things. It's like, there's just a lot of animation in everything, which is, yeah. Wild. yeah. It's a, it's a lofty game. Yeah. But it's definitely rough around the edges. Um, I am interested in the world still. I, the, I wish there was like a slider and Biomutant. Biomutant had a slider where like the narrator who was effectively like the main narrative, uh, you know, mechanism for delivery yeah of the narrative and i cranked that thing all the way to zero <laughs> if i could like mute i've th- i've actually thought about muting dialogue in this game which is an option and just like reading the subtitles as i play because it is so bad um the review guy did say they recommended playing in russian so i i tried changing that after the fact i think that's something that you have to select at the start of the game mm. uh so maybe try that out you might have a better time with that because there are some really cool moments and set pieces and then the character speaks and I'm like oh like yeah. it just like sucks any weight out of it there were several times i only play like two hours and i'm never playing it. uh but there were like several moments where a different character like an npc would be saying something i'd be like oh i'm, I'm like kind of interested in this and then the protagonist would say the most head ass dickhead shit <laughs> to them and i was like why did you write that like he's just you have, mean well it's he's like you have, mean to everybody it's you have clearly established a world you think is interesting and you want players to see and you are taking the time to have an npc explain this interesting part of your world and then you've also decided to make a protagonist who actively berates and belittles the world and character you've created it's narratively a mess and like tonally inconsistent because it's like the developer spent a lot of time making this world and wanting to play show and tell with the player that's why the opening of this game is the most glacially slow thing i've ever experienced because it's like it's a museum it's like a guided tour through a virtual museum of like a world that doesn't exist and then you're just there with the worst dude on earth (laughs) yeah it's like why did i get stuck with this guy do you guys remember that cutscene? did you get far enough kyle where like there's a character bleeding out uh, on the ground and a another character asks the protagonist to help them stop the bleeding. I don't think I've got yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see this. I and don't remember. Pro- I'm sure he says like no or some shit. The protagonist helps. He's like helping to stop the bleeding and then he he like looks around. He's like, you know what? Forget you. And he like lets the character die so that he can like suck in like he essentially sees like a piece of treasure he wants and he's like no nah, he can die and then he's like oh yeah as he's like picking up the treasure as this other guy is dying and then an enemy busts into the room and he's like get down i'm like what why would you tell them to get down you just like said that you could they could die it's <laughs> it's like 2005 era kratos or something <laughs> it's, it's just like, so bad just cruel for no reason because it seemed edgy you know and then anytime like the game is like setting you up to like okay go and collect these four things so that you can open this lock and then they're like explaining the objective and he's like let me guess i gotta go and get these four things to open some locks how creative it's he's like actively crapping on the thing that the the game's design i'm like why would you include this it makes me realize i mean a lot of games do that yeah several games do that and it's like oh so you like you know you made a bad design choice you're trying to be (laughs) you're trying to get out ahead of the fact you have something you put in your game that's not fun and i understand budgets time limitations you can't always just change everything to be the most fun thing in the world sometimes you gotta have a little little filler at least like try not to point it out don't you know like yeah don't comment on it because the only thing that's going to do is it's going to turn me from mildly annoyed to like oh yeah you know what dickhead in this game's right this sucks i'm turning the game (laughs) off now and i did (laughs) like yeah 
I think I'm going to try to finish this game. I think it's interesting enough. Is it an open world game? It's supposed to become that, I think. Okay. I'm three hours in and it's still linear. Okay. I really like the, like, environments. I think they're, like, really well done. Um, I've got, I, I got to, like, this, um, the game kind of starts off, you know, you end up in, like, this big facility where I think a lot of the game takes place uh, in, like, a Bioshock sort of way where it's, like, there's a lot of, like, different ecosystems and biomes in this place that shouldn't have these biomes right and it's cool i i really shout out to the environmental designers and all of the artists i think it's the highlight of the game and yeah I, I, do you have anything else to say about atomic heart kyle uh no i'll just shout out our review on the site from connor trinsky i uh, gave it a 775 and kind of and had some of this like similar things to what we're saying of like protagonist bad interesting world uh, interesting uh, gunplay and like ability play, you know. Well, I guess we didn't talk about the abilities. They're all kind of based on this, uh, you know, it's essentially Bioshock. There's like a, a chemical that you, you know, have has been injected into your body and it can be manipulated to do different things. Uh, in this game, it's like polymer. And so you can make a shield out of polymer that you hold up and like absorb incoming bullets and, you know, if you upgrade it, you can, like, have an explosion, like, burst forth after you, like, end the ability. There's, like, a freeze ability that I like uh, where, like, you just turn enemies to ice and then you shoot them with a shotgun and they just shatter. There's, like, electricity. There's, there's a lot of different stuff. Um, I'm enjoying it. There's, like, a I actually really enjoy, like, the upgrade system. You're collecting resources in the, in the environment and bringing them back to this machine who, for some reason, is, like, very hypersexualized and it's writing it's, and like it's them. awesome sorry we, we it's actually very good it's very cool i, I hate it so much very, i think that character is very funny all right look sometimes you gotta kiss a little there's crass, essentially a you know? I, I don't want to spoil <laughs> it it's it's you'll know it when you're there when, if you play this game and maybe you'll be made to feel uncomfortable like i did <laughs> yeah it's it's fun and horribly good uncomfortable I yeah think. but horribly uncom meant to make you uncomfortable uh i would say and it is very effective. They took all the lessons they could from Bioshock. Make a cool, interesting world and then make the writing as dog piss as possible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm going to see it through, I think, at least for now. There's been like some pretty fun set pieces. Uh, and I actually really like the puzzles in this game. Most of them, at least. There's a, probably one of my favorite lockpicking mechanics that this game introduces. Is like there's essentially an octagon. And at every point of the octagon is a diode. And you have, like, I think 20 or 30 seconds to uh, deactivate this lock. And you have to do it. There's, like, flashing lights that shoot across the diodes. And you have to, like, time it right so that, okay, I hit this, this point on the hexagon. And that diode or switch or whatever is, you know, unlocks. And you have to unlock all of them. And it kind of slowly gets faster slowly gets faster it gets faster as as the timer counts down it's a lot of fun yeah i like i like those puzzles in the game it's cool but that's atomic heart go read our review on the site i'm slowly working on a video review that i'll probably get up here soon um yeah complicated game i like some things a lot of things i really don't like but yeah that's oh, atomic it's all, yeah heart. it's also it's on game pass if you're if you're curious at all it's, it's that's good to it's know almost that. like one that i'm like just play like the first 30 minutes like because it is it's an impressive opening you know? it is it is kyle tell me about resident evil village vr yeah resident evil village vr at the time of recording it came out to today um it's not one that i had access to early um in terms of playstation vr 2 stuff and i really like it like in the in the way that like i, I think it's maybe like the thing that is most exciting for playstation vr 2 because i was I was pretty underwhelmed by Horizon Call of the Mountain, which is like the big, like exclusive showcase PSVR two. Here's this Horizon game, and like my reaction was kind of like, eh, I don't know. This I don't know. This isn't that fun. <laughs> I I don't like climbing, and you're spending a lot of time climbing. And then there's Gran Turismo Seven has like a VR update, which is another one of like the few like PSVR two exclusive things and that's cool but it's it's pretty straightforward it's kind of exactly what you think it would be which is like both a compliment and sort of a dig against it is like it doesn't really do anything special but it works well you you drive around in vr you know great 
Um, mm. But Resident Evil Village, I went in sort of like optimistic um, because I like Resident Evil translated to VR in some instances. I did not like Resident Evil 7. I didn't enjoy playing that in VR, but that also came out sort of in a VR era where a lot of basic things about VR were still being figured out. Like you, I could be wrong about this, but I think you had to play with a controller. Maybe you could play with that. That sounds right. I yeah. think you could play with the movie and you were like aiming with your head. And it was, I just, I, I didn't, I didn't really like it. And I switched back to just standard mode pretty quickly. Village. Uh, the thing I was worried about with village is that it might feel something similar to that. Like you use a controller. It might just feel like you're playing the standard village, but with, you know, like, Oh, but you can also kind of look around. Isn't that neat? But the, the, what's nice is this does feel like a very considered port. Um, it does like it things that you wouldn't like a small example is like, you know, um, unlocking a door by like turning the deadbolt or whatever in the main game, you just press X, right. And then your Ethan would just unlock it. And that would be an animation. But here you reach out and then you grab the lock and you twist your arm and unlock it. And it's like, it's little touches like that that show that's like, Oh, okay. They did want this to play in an interesting way in VR. And, and that's been cool. Like it's, it's that, game translates pretty well to vr and i've been enjoying it like the handful of funky things where it's like oh well if they had started from the beginning for this being a vr game this might have been different is like some cutscenes are just like suddenly on a flat screen like it was weird when i met the merchant there it, it you walk up to the merchant it's in vr and then there's one it's like literally a two second shot of the merchant suddenly is in 2d and then it goes back to like virtual reality again. It was like it was so disorienting and weird. But like I played up to the point I played to Lady D's castle because that's you can't you can't go into an old save as near as I can tell. You have to start over in VR. So I played up to that, and it's like the thing about like Horizon that was like frustrating is like climbing was just like not fun to do, and Resident Evil Village like was kind of already pretty well situated for like a vr game because the gunplay is kind of slow and methodical which works really well in vr especially in lady d's castle like the big part of the game is like walking around and looking at stuff and that works really well in vr and then her character which is this gigantic like amazonian woman who towers over you like when you meet her for the first time like that's really cool because VR is really good at scale. So when you have this terrifying woman like towering over you and getting in your face and grabbing your wrist and like drinking your blood, like that's really cool in VR. That works really well. And like so I'm I'm walking away. I probably I'll put like impre- we're not going to do like a full proper review, but I'll put some impressions up on the site of like I if you this is like the best thing for PlayStation VR 2. This is like one of let's the true go. exclusives. <laughs> is that let's is that go. a good thing, Blake? Okay, let's go. Like I'm it really hyped. It, it kind of surprised me because I was like, I really thought Horizon would be the one to kind of like be the thing to look at. But like if this is one of the few exclusives for PlayStation VR 2, and I think it's the best thing you can play is Village. Kyle. Yeah. Did you play Resident Evil 4 VR, also known as one of the best games the last year? Yes, it was. Yeah, I did. I And I loved it. Does it feel, is, are there any, I, I, I know like, is, is there any similarities to that? Because you could play Resident Evil 4 VR like you're, john wick right this okay yeah because i did i love resident evil 4 vr um Mm -hmm. like i think on my personal like top 10 list of like i had it on there like that's Mm -hmm. i really adored it and i will say that is more of like a bigger translation like they really redid that game to work in vr where village i think just kind of happens to already be pretty good in vr and so it's not it's not quite the overhaul, and in fact, I actually have found myself dying more in Village VR, uh, which is cool because it's like a horror game and it is very intense. And like, I find myself actually shooting way more bullets than I did just playing standard because like, when a when a werewolf is running at your face and you're trying to get a headshot, like in VR, I'm just way more inclined to just pull that trigger a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, where Resident Evil 4 VR, I feel like, was a little more friendly to that. Like, it, Resident Evil 4 VR is actually easier than Resident Evil 4. Where yeah, I think yeah. I think this is actually a little bit harder. Okay. Um, yeah. And and that's not that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just it's just a different thing. Can I come over and borrow your PSVR 2 headset? 
Uh, I mean, honestly, like after after this point, we 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 can go offline. You can come and get it if you want. It's like snowing like crazy. Oh yeah, right there now. is a blizzard. So can I come get it in like a month? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. I'm cause... so scared for this blizzard. By the way, just side note, I'm supposed to be moving in three days, and this blizzard outside is raging. Oh boy. Here's yeah. here's what you got to know. God bless the United States Postal Service. First and foremost, protect the USPS. Uh, second, they delivered my package, and now I don't have to leave my apartment for the week because I did all my grocery shopping yesterday, and I can just stay at home and play with my new airbrush. So I love the blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> Me and the blizzard, we're getting along. I, I, Alex, I hope it does get cleared up for your sake. <laughs> like, I, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, like, we'll Kyle, see. do you hope it doesn't clear up only where I need to go? Alex, it's like completely <laughs> clear, but it's f***ed for me. I'm so sorry. Dang it. <laughs> sorry. I'm used to I'm used to being on Sailor. I'm used to being on Nebula. They let me say all kinds of stuff over there. <laughs> but let me. Where did we all leave right. off here? <laughs> I don't remember. I was I was asking about if it was like comparable to Resident Evil 4 VR. I I've never played any of the PSVR stuff. In fact, my only real experience with VR was RE4 VR because like I've just never wanted to invest in VR. Sure. And I only yeah. played RE4 VR because Ben Reeves had a facebook thing that he let me borrow meta quest or whatever right 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 i still don't think i'm gonna buy a vr headset but i'm very inclined to drive the 40 minutes to your house and borrow yours now to play this well i mean it's game informers it's not mine which is why i'm saying yeah you could you yeah could but the, the the gas it'll will require to get there <laughs> right. is mine <laughs> some in, there is an investment there at least one way that's true yeah i mean i mean honestly like i'm i'm both surprised i i kind of went in like just a little pessimistic i was like it's it's weird that this is being ported it's only on psvr2 i wonder how yeah. how much they put into this and thankfully the answer has been like oh actually quite a lot to the point where like it, this is the best thing to play on playstation vr2 honestly like there's better than res and well but other... resident Evil 4 vr is not on playstation vr2 no, res oh R-Z. res uh yeah. yeah yeah i mean i like res okay. res is great i love tetris effect um i just feel a... like when mizuguchi does something like that becomes the killer app for whatever weirdo system he puts his stuff on. I mean, Tetris Effect honestly is like my favorite Mizuguchi VR thing. Yeah. Res okay. is cool, but it's like an arcade game. You know, like it's kind, it's it's great, but it's sort of like candy. You know, you can kind of get in and out. I've never played one of his games, and I've just known when I do, they'll probably be some of my favorite games of all time. So, yeah, but I want to play, him play in, Tetris Effect. I want to play him in VR. That's the thing. I've always wanted to play his games in VR. You know, like, mm. it's like, I could sit and play Res, or I could play Res Infinite in VR, and it's like, why Why would I not just yeah, do VR? Fair. But I haven't had a means to, so I've just never played any of his stuff. I mean, Tetris Effect, you should play on any platform. It's great. Okay. Pancake mode, if you will. It's great in VR as well. I got a Steam Press account. I'll play it for free. There you go. It's, it's great. You should play it. It makes, I think I, I wrote this like, hey, 10 great games to play in PSVR 2 and put Tetris Effect on there. That game's honest to God, like, it, when you're focused on it, like, if you have headphones on, you're listening to music, and you're playing Tetris, that game makes me emotional, and I don't know why. I, like, don't Let's know go. where that comes from. I'll start Let's tearing go. up at certain, like, levels, and it's just, like, it just totally envelops you in such a fantastic way. That's awesome. I want to play Half-Life Alex, too. Do we have any headsets around that I can use? Well, I played it using a Quest headset, um, where I just plugged into my PC that way. Uh, so, I mean... It's it's you, what you do, Blake. Go get yourself a Quest Two, play play Resident Evil Four some more. I don't, you don't need Facebook. it. You don't need it anymore. Oh, uh, are you that. kidding me? Yeah, no, they they took that. They added it in, then they took it back out. So now you're good. Bet Ben Reeves wished they had done that earlier when I had access right. to his Facebook account, which I did <laughs> oh, not no. look at. I did not log into. Um, I only DM'd like five or six people. It was. Fine. I went to his earliest DM he had on facebook and sent a message say hey just making sure you saw this <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah so get that get a quest to get resident Evil 4 tetris effect and then plug in plug it into your pc and play some half-life alex boom what good to go heck yeah you just 500 dollars no you're out of your mind there's cheaper ones hmm, i don't there's think it's that ones. much actually but yeah oh and let's, let's i think maybe you had it on your list i want to bring this up the other playstation vr2 game that surprised me which is not a psvr2 exclusive you can find it on other platforms uh i bring it up blake because this is not a video podcast but over your shoulder i can see you have the uh, box set of akira uh which i'm a big which i'm a big fan of this game runner uh vr game runner 
is an Akira video game all in everything but the license, basically. Okay. <laughs> Where, I, I'm like, looking at it, yeah. Yeah, so you're um, you are on a motorcycle. Sort of, it's like an arcadey game where you're shooting down motorcycles and, and racing on the the highways, and it is this like neon soaked anime city. And the motorcycles you're competing against leave trails off their brake lights, uh, like they do in Akira. And um, the the music is pretty close. There's like the giant sort of uh, headlights, like like uh, arcing into the sky, just like there is in the anime. And um, it just and you can make your motorcycle red. It's it the the motorcycle is called an Otamo after the author of Akira yeah, is like a nice little yeah, thing, yeah. and it's all very like late '80s, early '90s anime aesthetic. Like uh, the voice actor who played Spike in Cowboy Bebop, the American voice actor uh, Steve Bloom, is like sort of your point of contact who talks to you and gives you like the narration of the story, and he's like this anime face. That's awesome. It's as an Akira like super fan. I adore Akira. This game like really sort of. I, I really enjoyed just if nothing else to sort of be in a VR version of like the Akira aesthetic, you yeah. know, like that was just like the motorcycle shooting stuff was like, yeah, this is solid arcade fun, but like, man, just like feeling like I'm in Neo Tokyo. It's just like, Oh, this is, good. Yeah. <laughs> this is good stuff. You can go there in real life, just swim out to the middle of Tokyo Bay and you're basically in there. Neo Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. You take the train to Odaiba and just jump in the water. You're right there. We there. Go. Ugh, I should try that. Steve Bloom, also known as Neon White. That's right, yeah, that's yeah, right. He's busy man. Also known as Brimstone in Valorant. And I and I think the Toonami mascot, I think. Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, Runner is solid, and then Resident Evil Village VR, PSVR two. There you go, you're all set. Awesome. Well, let's get into the housekeeping and then we'll Whoa, uh, close the show out. Try with another what? game. What? The Darkness Poop. <laughs> all right quick nah, well, we'll see uh this game dude <laughs> listeners at home do yourself a favor right now get, like you have 15 spare dollars i know you do if you don't rob someone and go <laughs> buy the darkness 2 guys this game is out this of is control. a game worth going to jail for yeah this game is out of control have y'all played this game i started it yeah Back it in the is day. So I played good. the darkness. 2011, 12, I think, right? 13, I think. 13? Uh, okay. Maybe 12. No, maybe 12. Uh, the, I, the darkness one is cool, but like it's a cool world, cool story, and a, it, but there's a bad game attached to it. The darkness two is like, what if we made the game fun? What if the whole point of playing as Jackie Estacado with the darkness was as entertaining as you want it to be? And so they came up with this freaking gimmick this buzzword called quad wielding <laughs> and it should become the only thing video games are about. put this in every video game madden fifa kirby disco elysium the sims they all need quad wielding so you ha- <laughs> like you can single wield or dual wield guns whatever you want like pistol uzi double uzis whatever take your pick and then you have the two darkness arms and each one has different attacks mapped to it so your right darkness arm which is the right bumper it's kind of like a slash, and you can control which direction you slash, a la, like, Metal Gear Rising. Um, not to that level. You know, you're not slowing down time and chopping them into 100 blocks, but if you want like, chop someone up, you can shoot them in the air, then slam them back down, and you control that. And then the left arm, which is left bumper, you can pick up things from the environment and use them as projectiles. So you could like, rip a car door off of a car, use it as a shield, and then throw it across the map at an enemy and it'll slice them in half. You can find poles and throw them and impale people all the while you're shooting at the same time. Quad wielding. And it's great. It looks like a comic book come to life. Like it's just it. Honestly, the visuals have barely aged. Like the game is gorgeous. It's, it's cell shaded, right? Yeah, it's cell yeah. shaded. It looks like a comic. There's even like I forgot it was cell shaded. Yeah. Was the first one cell shaded? No, the first one is like 2007 okay. hyper realism. That's why I was like, "Oh, the first one's okay. cool." The problem with the first one though is there's cutscenes where Jackie Estacado goes freaking nuts with the darkness and those are only cutscenes. And the darkness too, you get to play like that. It is like That's cool. A wild power fantasy. It's maybe 4 hours long. You could probably buy it for, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really short, and it's 
the most fun I've had in a long time. Like, I had trouble tearing myself away from it the other night. Like, I just, as soon as work is over today, I'm literally booting up the darkness, and I'm probably going to play the rest of the game in one sitting. Can you watch the entirety of the movie To Kill a Mockingbird in the darkness, too? You want to know something wild about the darkness? Everyone remembers To Kill a Mockingbird is in that, in its entirety, which is very cool. We all freaked out about High on Life because it had, like, some stupid movie in it. Like, yeah, (laughs) that really worked out for you. I hope the SEO was worth writing about that idiot. (laughs) I was like, it probably was. That game the, ended up being pretty dang successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> However, The Darkness, released more than 10 years before, had the entirety of Kill a Mockingbird, The Man with the Golden Arm, The Street Fighter, Return of the Street Fighter, Sister Street Fighter, The Street Fighter's Last Revenge, His Girl Friday, Nosferatu, Flash Gordon, Flash Gordon, Gabby. These are all now TV episodes. Pop, like, I didn't know it had all that. 10 episodes of Popeye, a couple episodes of The New Stooges, and music videos in it. All that you could watch in their entirety in the game. So Justin Roiland, have fun in jail. Creatively bankrupt idiot. <laughs> the Darkness did it first, did it better, and High on Life probably won't get a sequel now. But The Darkness 2 came out, and it's one of the most fun games I've played this year. Thank you. There you go. I, <laughs> I didn't re- the rest of my time. You gotta I didn't realize it had all game. that stuff. I thought it just had the one movie in it. I didn't realize it had like all no, that dude, stuff. No, dude. The Darkness His Girl is- Friday, that's a great movie. Sit down and watch that. In The, the Darkness... darkness- the darkness it's funny, actually. It's just not a fun Fortnite game. just announced that they're going to be showcasing the entirety of the darkness two in Fortnite at the Fortnite theater. <laughs> but it's but it's only the the clips of the darkness mm. two where you are watching other media inside. No, the that's darkness the darkness two. one. It's darkness. That's what I meant. An interesting thing about the darkness one when you play it is keep in mind what where the team went. Because it was developed by Starbreeze, uh, famous felons, as we all know from the new Double Fine documentary. Um, a lot of the team that worked on that game went on to be founding members or like work at uh, Machine Games on the Wolfenstein games. And when you play the first Darkness, it makes a ton of sense. Darkness 2 is developed by Digital Extreme, different studio. Yeah, but... I, I haven't played the Darkness since it came out, which was, mm-hmm. what was that, like 2010 Seven. or 9 or 2007? And I, even with that separation, and like I'm like, oh, that makes total sense. Like, yeah. I totally, that makes absolute sense. Yeah, it's really funny with the darkness one. This will be the last thing I say about it. I promise. Going back and reading older reviews, a lot of people talk about this one moment in it that was like, you're not gonna believe what they did. Like, you can't believe how striking this moment is. It is a really striking moment, but like, people don't really talk about the darkness anymore, especially compared to how they talked about it in those reviews with this like effusive praise for the story in the world. And then if you look at the calendar, two months later, Bioshock came out. And I think <laughs> I think the Darkness One would have a bigger footprint on the collective gaming memory if two months later the first freaking Bioshock hadn't come out. Yeah, which is uh yeah. unfortunate because I'd rather play the darkness. Anything Ken Levine made or makes. Well, let's move on to housekeeping. Bioshock 1's a good game. I'd like to play that. Bioshock 2, he didn't even work on. I'm sure it's a good game. I play it. <laughs> just, Zach McClendon just, worked on Bioshock 2. I'm just two. laughing at like, how like, you said that with such confidence, and you're like, actually, I don't know. I didn't play the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> Bioshock Infinite's the one that sucks. Bioshock 1's pretty cool. Okay, okay. I didn't play 2, but Zach McClendon worked on it, famous for his appearance in the Psychonauts documentary. It all comes freaking full circle. There we go. I'm so excited to continue watching that tonight. Have you finished it, the Psychonauts doc? Yeah, it doesn't work out for Zach McClendon, unfortunately. I have finished it. It's great. Probably the best thing ever made about a video game. It's unfortunate that these only exist as internally made products. Yeah. But, you know, what can you do? Shouts out to two-player. They're doing the Lord's work, but it is indicative of a larger problem within the game industry. Yeah. But they killed it. They did. Um, I don't think that's two players' fault. I think it's the no, 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 no. The publishers just... of the world's fault that like this is a rarity in the game industry. Absolutely. But what can you? Let's do? get into housekeeping. You can get into housekeeping, Blake, uh, which is the part of the show where we tell you what's going on in the world of Game Informer, and um, you know it's also the segue to listener emails. We always start off uh, housekeeping with a new podcast review. This week's is a five-star review from Fohawk King that says, Amazing show. I listen to the Game Informer show every week at my boring job. You guys do a great job of entertaining me while I drown out my coworker who always talks my ear off. <laughs> Thank you guys for making my workday go by much faster. 
and I'm hoping to see you guys at PAX East this year. Uh, you can see me at PAX East. I'm going just for not for work, but just for personal funsies. Yeah. Uh, You're gonna have funsies, to come yeah. to my apartment to see me. Yeah, and that's far away. Well, I don't know where they live. But Fohawk King, I feel that I've been there, uh, and we're happy that we can uh, help. Um, drown out some other sounds in your environment. Um, so thanks for listening. Thank you for the five-star review. We appreciate you taking the time out of your week to do that for us. Uh, if you're listening and you want to leave a review as well, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and uh, we'll be sure to read it off on the show. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify and you want to help us out, uh, click that uh, rating button at the top uh, near our uh, the title of the podcast. And... Um, yeah, that would also help us out a lot. Thank you, everybody, for, for doing that. I wish we could shout out the Spotify folks who do that, but unfortunately, uh, Spotify doesn't give us that info. But we do see the number going up, and uh, we are thankful. Head over to twitch.tv slash GameInformer for our weekly streams. The crew is Kyle here, and Marcus are replaying uh, all of Dino Crisis. Yeah. So tune in on Fridays, twitch.tv slash GameInformer. Uh, follow us and have notifications on so you don't miss the streams. Yeah, we dropped a pterodactyl like into a uh, spinning fan blades. Last oh, week. It's pretty cool. It's good stuff. Yeah. That's good gaming right there. Of course. And it should be said, all of this is made possible uh, by Game Informer. That's what we work for. So if you want to support Game Informer, go and grab a digital subscription to the magazine. We've got a lot of great cover stories recently and inside. Those uh, magazine pages have been some really great work by us and freelancers. We have really, really just really proud of uh, the magazine team and that product that we put out uh, every month or every, you know, what, every five weeks, something like that. Yeah. So if you want to support us, go and grab a magazine subscription. It would mean the world. Uh, Lastly, follow All Things Nintendo, which is our Nintendo podcast hosted by Brian Shea. Every week, every Friday, uh, he breaks down the latest in Nintendo news. Um, and go and follow the Game Informer TikTok at Game underscore Informer. If you want to follow these gentlemen here on social media this week, you can follow Kyle at Kyle M. Hilliard. Follow Blake at Metallica's Rad. And follow me at It's Van Aiken. Time to get into the listener emails. If you want to contribute to the show every week, you can email us podcast at GameInformer.com with the subject line Game Informer Show podcast question. Uh, or you can join our Discord by subscribing to us one time on twitch.tv slash Game Informer and drop your question in the Game Informer Show channel. So this week, Zach Pliggy asks, do you feel like a Dragon Ishin is a great jumping on point for people who are interested in the Yakuza series? We already answered we, this one. We've kind of talked, yeah, but he says, or is Yakuza 0 still the best way to get your feet wet? You know... Yakuza Zero. It's this it's interesting. I I replayed Yakuza Zero a little last year, so and I've been thinking about this. Um, Yakuza Zero is the best one, like just undisputably thus far the best game RGG's put out. Um, one of the best stories in video games for sure. It is showing its age in a way Yakuza Like a Dragon doesn't. It's a newer game made in a newer engine, definitely a more expensive game. I feel like, and you can feel that. That might be the best place at this point, but it has the caveats of being a completely different type of game. It's played completely different. I don't know. You also don't have the, well, I want to say you don't have the narrative baggage of 15 years of stories. You do. You you do. It's actually, you need a <laughs> lot of knowledge of the Yakuza series to understand the like finer points of Like a Dragon's story. I think it's a bit of a misnomer to act like you can jump in completely blind because it definitely assumes you know what happened leading up to that point but in terms of just like ease of play it might be the best it's also maybe the longest freaking game ever made my god yakuza zero is not wait which one's the long one yakuza zero or like a dragon like a dragon like a dragon god that's a long long game you might try judgment you might try judgment as a good entry point like you can jump into judgment knowing nothing of kiryu kamurocho it'll 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 catch you up on everything you need. Then maybe go into like Yakuza Zero. I think like Like a Dragon's one of the best games they did, but I don't think you'll really understand yet why people love the entire series. You'll just understand why people love Like a Dragon because it's such a 
radical departure aside from the narrative. The narrative is similar to the other games, but in terms of the gameplay, it's completely different in most respects. So I don't know. I, I'd, I'd try Judgment. I think Judgment would be a good entry point. But Yakuza 0, my God, it's one of the best games ever made. Jesus. Cody Gibson asks, not sure if Like a Dragon Ishin counts as a spinoff or not, but it, it got me wondering what other franchise could use a spinoff or prequel in that style. Something you'd want to visit the in-game universe of in another timeline. Keep up the great work. So what other series do we want to spin off from? So like Ishin specifically? Yeah. Right? Like in that, like what we were talking about earlier, like where I said like the like seeing the Metal Gear Solid cast in the sort of colonial wars. I think that would you know, Something like that yeah. would be interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it comes down to like not even necessarily characters, but just like the the cast, right? If you consider these digital characters like actors, like what would you want to see them transposed into? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So it's an interesting idea. I've always wanted the God of War game where he goes to Bible times. <laughs> like, <laughs> there you I go. can't remember if that was an idea they had before the 2018 reboot or if that was one of Jaffe's ideas. I think that was a Jaffe joint. Yeah, because I think he that wanted like Kratos Jaffe. to go to all kinds of different uh, pantheons and stuff like that. Yeah. Because, bro, you just know Kratos would be the one crucifying Jesus. Like, that's how that game would have to play out. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm saying I want to see it. Uh, so I want to play the, the Bible God of War games real bad. People would be so mad about that. I'd, I would love to play that game, to be clear. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, man. You know what game has a crucifixion in it? Darkness? Darkness 2. <laughs> wow. Does that mean it's a good? Is that a good thing? <laughs> oh, it's a it's a good scene. My god, it's crazy. Is that the quad? Yeah, uh, the cuz you got the four points. Is that what, uh, There's something there. There's a joke there. I don't well, know. Well, three points, really, cuz you're only you're nailed in three points. The opposite kind of. I guess, yeah, I guess so. you want That's a good head point. rest. They're right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, head rest. Slight <laughs> comfort in one of humanity's worst torture devices. <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> do you not have an answer? I don't. I, I'm trying to think. I don't think I do actually. Okay. I would. I I thought like back in the day, the Pokemon stuff would be cool, but they did that. They yeah. did that in Ar- Arceus. Yeah. Well, even like like the cast of like the Resident Evil franchise, right? Like, what if they had to, uh, you know, deal with the T virus during the plague, you know, <laughs> or something like medieval times cool, actually, or something, yeah. you know. Leon with that haircut walking around uh, medieval England <laughs> trying to avoid rats. <laughs> but the whole point of those games is that the T virus is a product of modern science. That's true. Yeah. Look, I'm not. Guess, I'm not. I'm not writing the game. I'm they just, had I'm science just, back I'm just then an ideas too. guy. <laughs> I guess at this point, it's not modern science. It's like 30 years old. But you right. know. God. Well, I mean, but you know, if you want to get into village spoilers, there's like. Which that's I, true. I won't, but there's some there's that's some hints true. that maybe T virus has been around a lot longer than we thought. Yeah, I you forgot about it. that. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that was a dumb plot point. But if it leads to Resident Evil Plague, <laughs> a Plague Tale, Resident Evil, maybe it's a good idea. What do you think they're going to call Resident Evil Nine? Because the last two games they've done it where like the the Roman numeral fits into it. I remember seeing someone tweeting uh, Resident Evil Appendix at one point. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Resident Evil Crucifix. Oh, here. See? We're, we're on to something here. It all comes back around. I'm thinking, baby. Mm. All right. Well, Jill Grote, former Game Informer editor, asks, I recently dove back into the early access title, Mythforced, uh, to check out the changes. Booting it up reminded me this game has the catchiest opening of all time. And I don't think I could ever skip it. Do you all have a game intro you never skip? Chrono Cross. Maybe Halo 2? Like the theme song specifically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the attract screen, sort of? Yeah. But probably Halo 2 is the only one I... I mean, genuinely, Chrono Cross. Because I, I, I love the intro sort of like montage of pre-rendered cutscenes and the soundtrack is um, fantastic. To the point where, like, when I actually finally played Chrono Cross for the first time last year, I actually was like, it's like, I think I liked that uh, attract screen more than I liked the total game. <laughs> you know? Chrono Cross is, was fine. It just did not blow my mind. Sonic Adventure 1, the first one with that Crush 40 song, it's like, starts with the guitar slides. See, that's why I like Halo. Steve I plays guitar, electric guitar over the Halo theme. 
Steve Vai on Friends. the new Polyphia album. Wild song. Really? Yeah, it's really good. It's a really good song. Uh, Ego Death, I believe, is the song. It's really cool. That's cool. That is cool. I got to look that up. Uh, Matt Storm, final question, asks, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Rocky Road. Salty Caramel from Sebastian Joe's. Oh, you got a you got a, like a brand. Sebi Joe's, baby. That's my favorite ice cream currently. I mean, I you, do. Okay, you know what ice cream is? A lot of people haven't heard of, but is ridiculous. The Biscoff Cookie people make an ice cream that is Biscoff Cookie flavored. It is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And my my third answer to this question that asked me for my single answer, my single favorite flavor is I love a oatmeal ice cream. I don't know. Like cinnamon oatmeal that. ice cream. Yeah, that's oatmeal my favorite. I like Rocky Road. Marshmallows in it. Yeah, that's good, good stuff. Answer. Yeah. I mean, I do like, I sometimes I'm just like in the mood for that sort of boring, just like chocolate, you know? You know what? Can I tell you something interesting that happened to me the other day? I went to get ice cream with one Ben Hansen and Brian Vore. For the first time in my life, I got a stomach ache from dairy. Hey, welcome to getting old. Congratulations. I cut out a lot of dairy from my diet recently. I don't drink milk or anything anymore. I think that's what happened. I think I accidentally gave myself lactose intolerance. Your body was just like, we don't know how to deal with this anymore. So I guess I got, I, yeah, do I do I have to eat like vegan ice cream now? No, you just got to take... I mean, you could just eat regular. How bad was it? Like, it was noticeable. Is it putting, like putting you off ice cream? Bad. I mean, it it was just noticeable. I got home. I was like, I got a little. I mean, I I noticed that too, but I mean, I was farting it's all still night. Still ice cream. I was still fart. I was farting all night. What you gotta do now is you just take medicine. You take some like Pepto or something about thirty minutes before you yeah. eat. Which I'll oh, okay. I'll do sometimes if I'm going to like a restaurant, then a movie. You know, mm-hmm. you gotta get ahead of that so you're not got a stomach ache during the movie. Sebastian Joe's has this like uh, ice cream cookie thing. Which is Aww. just two chocolate chip cookies with ice cream in it, and it's frozen. And it's not like they don't make it like fresh, like the cookies are fresh. Like it's frozen, so you just get a hard, chunky cookie. <clears throat> so good. Ooh, I'm... I really want Sebby Joe's right now, but there's a blizzard outside. Dude, there's a Seb, there's a Sebastian Joe's next to my house in this cute little neighborhood that we drove through the other day, Alex. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Uh, mm-hmm. We got to go to that one. It's really cute. Yeah, it's better than the I've one. been to that one. It's better than the other one. It's always too busy. I've been to that one before. It was very cute. Oh. But I would go with you. I would go with you. You want to go? One hundred percent. Uh, maybe. I was about to do my usual joke of like, I'm busy that day. But I'm like, I don't, I've never. I don't even know what store you guys are talking about. Sebastian Joe's. I gotta check this place out. Yeah, it's a few yeah. of them throughout the, it's the local city. chain. A couple of them. Let's do good. it. Real good. Better than Milk Jam for sure. Yeah, I like Milk Jam, but it's overhyped. There's also that place next to Cafeto. I've never been to that one. Have you been to it? I have. I'm not gonna say the name of it. I wasn't a huge That means fan. you liked it. <laughs> Why aren't you going to say the name? Uh, I'll tell you after the show. Okay. But, but yeah. Oh. That's going to do it for the show this week. I'm sorry to keep that such a mystery, Blake. But I know. Now I'm nervous. I have my reasons. Now I'm nervous. Thanks for listening to the show this week, y'all. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, stay safe, stay warm. Bye. Bye.